0: All right, hello everyone. This is the Creativity Cocktail powered by Rising Tides Charity. So as we talk to you, it is getting close to the end of the year. Today, we've got a wonderful creative with us, Dana Stringer. And uh, Dana, it's it's great to have you here on the podcast and, and um, say hello to everybody real quick.
1: Hello, hello everybody. And it is great to be here. I've been
0: looking forward to it. Thank you so much. So Dana and I, we are, I think we're in several groups here in Atlanta together. I can't remember which one it was that we first met, whether it was the Dramatist Guild or the working title playwrights I can't remember which one it was. All I know is that she is a phenomenal creator. I am going to ask her here in a second to talk about some of the stuff that she has upcoming. Uh, And for those of you who are listening, the Rising Tides Charity and the Creativity Cocktail is really a forum for you and for us to talk about the creative things that you're doing in your life and how to make sure that you're sparking that as much as possible. So please listen to this podcast here with Dana. Dana, before we get going, I'm going to ask you to tell people about when you're ready to create or write or act. What are some of the things that you do to get yourself either physically, mentally, psychologically, physiologically prepared to be as creative as possible?
1: Um, I think one of, the, one of the main things that's key for me is uh, asking questions. The majority of my projects have begun with questions. Um, and that tool of inquiry, inquiry kind of sets me on the quest, you know, in search of the answer. Not always arriving at a clear answer, but, you know, that journey of exploration leads to a lot of different discoveries. And so it just kind of puts me on that process to where I'm able to think about, okay, now where do I want to craft and shape uh, this discovery uh, into as an artistic expression? Uh, and whether that's a play or a poem or a screenplay or... A more hybrid piece that kind of fuses genres and forms together. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, I think what, what gets me to that place of like, okay, you know, it, it's being creative is that I need to, it's about this burning passion, I need to answer this question how can we use art uh, to create understanding and become a more empathetic and compassionate and equitable society? So, that um, wow. I mean, just challenges me to begin to start thinking of stories that I can craft with very strong, multi dimensional, memorable characters that embody all of our beautiful complexities and contradic- contradictions of our shared student experience. Wow. Um, and I, I would have to think that that kind of gets me, this, the tool of inquiry really gets me in that place of okay, I'm preparing to be creative.
0: So. Wow, so what a, thing, what a great bit of advice about asking that question. So tell us a little bit about, tell us about yourself, your creative journey. How did you, you know, before you tell us about what you're up to, tell us a little bit about about when did you start to really know that you were a creative soul? Was it early on? Was it something that you recently discovered? Tell us a little bit about your path.
1: I have been, I've had an overactive imagination since as long as I can remember, which got me into a lot of trouble because I was a skilled liar. So I was already a skilled uh, storyteller, probably at the age of seven or eight. <laughs> I said could tell you, a lie you and said, make anybody believe it. So You said you was <laughs> so, a skilled liar? Is that what you said? You said you were <laughs> a skilled liar? <laughs>
0: you said you were a skilled liar?
1: Yeah, yeah. So and that to me was probably like, you know, like sometimes you can use your gift for good or for bad. So I was very good at lying. So I was like, you know, later on, I was probably about basically saying, you're going to be a storyteller, not tell, you know, like, then was like, don't be telling a story because, you know, don't tell a lie. But really, I could say that as early as seven or eight, I began to just, my imagination was just all over the place and I could create different scenarios and stories and situations that were very believable. Wow. And, um, but I think in terms of, you know, I set out on my journey, I've, I've always been writing, I think as early as maybe j- junior high school, just writing poems and just writing out my thoughts and just doing a lot of stuff like that. But, um, I don't think that I really took it seriously until I got into my early twenties as a young adult. You know, for a long, for a long time, you hear people saying, "Well, writers don't make any money. You can't make a living as a writer, or you know, get a real career." Uh, which I did set off. I'm doing that when I got my undergraduate degree. Uh, potentially I wanted to go to law school, and then, uh, and then I shifted up and ended up being in marketing and advertising. But I had always been creative, and, and and writing down stuff and thinking of stories and stuff like that. But um, I think that. Uh, as I begin to get older and got a lot more experience and things like that, that's when I really began to realize that I have something to say. I have a message. I have, uh, you know, uh, something that I intentionally want to get across in the world. And so a lot of ideas would just begin to start coming to me. And uh, initially, poetry, uh, well, still is very much so, poetry began to be the, the avenue uh, of writing a lot of these things out but then I also realized that I was uh, had a lot of skits and those skits ended up turning into plays wow. and this was probably around you know, probably in my like around my mid 20s to early 30s and I kept saying I want to do this I want to do this for a living and was regretting that I didn't pursue it when I was in college like I, I really wish I would have maybe got you know a, a, a degree in drama or something like that but you know it, it was a different route but it was it was it was meant to be because I felt like I had given, I had a wide range of experience and knowledge from different, uh, you know, different sectors to where they all begin to meld together and, and, and allow me to really get down and write from a true and honest place.
0: Yeah. So you, um, you shared that you have a lot of these things that have been, you know, that you've been cultivating for a long period of time. How do you, how do you capture them? Do you use a, tool? Is it like a notebook, something simple like that? How do you capture all of these different ideas from a creative perspective that that you have?
1: Notebook? Notebook. I mean, I'm almost embarrassed to say I have boxes of notebooks (laughs) that I've written ideas in them. I have stuff that I've started, you know, and never finished from years and years ago. But everything is in a notebook. And now... A lot of stuff is also in my phone. I know you probably have the note app on your, your phone as well. Yeah. But I put a lot of things inside of my note app on my phone. Things are jot down on, um, sticky notes, uh, index cards, you know, yeah. but I try to yeah. compile them to where they're all kind of in one central place, mm-hmm. but they're, they're everywhere. They, they, I, you know, cause like I said, an idea can hit me or even a story idea or a plot to a story or a form or something can strike me anywhere and i'll just jot it down you jot it down on
0: a piece of paper or a notebook that's that's awesome i tell you i, I love the, the the concept and the thought process of just getting it out of your head and putting it somewhere else because you, 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 you and i probably encounter this where where the ideals come to you when you least wish that they would come to you so they come to you when you're doing something else, right? When you're walking or, Yeah,
1: yeah
0: you know, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. or you're doing some kind of fitness thing or cooking or and, and I have to admit sometimes they come when you're having a conversation with somebody else and, and I'm, I'm probably I have to kind of admit that sometimes I have to tell people I'm sorry you know, what you just said has sparked an idea so I gotta jot it down real quick <laughs> to stop the conversation Absolutely, yeah, yeah <laughs> um, So I know you've got some things that are upcoming. Tell, tell everyone about what's upcoming here soon.
1: Well, um, I actually, I, like, I'm in an adjunct, I can get it out, I can't even talk this morning here, uh, adjunct faculty member with Etioc University Online. Um, they have an inspiration to publication program and they're continuing education studies where we offer like short-term writing courses and book coaching and manuscript review services. So right now, I'm actually in the process of developing a, um, redeveloping should I say, a polishing a two-week course called Adapt Your Poems for Stage, Transforming Poetry into Performance. So that course will be offered uh, in February and I'm working on that. Um, I'm also working to complete a first draft of a play that is really a part of a dual trilogy, which is a total of six six plays that thematically uh, link in the exploration of issues around identity, uh, gender, and sexual identity. And then, with with that said, I have a stage reading uh, that is one of those plays that are part of that dual trilogy is called We the Village. And I have a stage reading that will be coming up in February as well that will be presented in the Unexpected Play Festival, which is a partnership between um, theatrical outfit and working title playwrights. So
0: I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. So the the one you mentioned about transforming poetry into um, works, how did that come about? Was that something that you um, worked on? Were there some colleagues? How did that whole concept of that course, Genesis?
1: Oh, yeah. You know what? It's so funny because I was telling somebody recently how as a poet and a playwright, you I often feel divided because the community rarely come together some of the poetry community is its own community and in the theater community but I see poetry often as uh, especially for performance poets and you know uh, spoken word artists and people like that I feel like poetry is performance and there are a lot of forms out there that can be staged and adapted to to theater so I started thinking about this like how can we merge these com- communities or how can we get poets to maybe explore more of their storytelling abilities and skills and um, expand their platform because oftentimes you write a poetry book and only your niche community will read it and that's it but there is a way that you could uh, you know expand the reach of your book or your poems by creating a theatrical piece around that as well and that puts you on another platform so i've to do a lot of research about adaptation of course um Claudia Rankin is a, a, a really awesome poet that has had a, some of her works adapted to stage. Um, so I began to research her and a lot of other poets who have adapted stuff. And so that kind of means like I can actually create a course around this. Right now it's, started, it's a two-week course, but eventually I hope to be expanded to at least a six-week course. But right now, that, that was kind of the impetus of how I kind of said, you know, I'm going to develop a, a course around this idea
0: that is so fascinating um i just think that that's a really cool thing i i don't know as much you're right those two worlds don't like overlap or connect as much as they could or should um so i think mm-hmm. that that is a, a great thing are there forms for like someone who i know there's forms for like people to read their poetry and that kind of thing um mm-hmm. are, are, are there things that you think may be a genesis or some not genesis but something that can Kind of grow from this process even beyond the course? Do you think like there maybe it could, it could be like a reading of people's work or an actual translation of some of these poem poets that are transformed? Absolutely.
1: So, like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think that that would be ultimately a, a goal to want what is created in this course eventually has a platform to be performed as a series or, um, you know, over a weekend or something like that, or like I said, you know, a, a reading of what people have have come up with
0: and what they've come up with. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think about it. Maybe you and I think it's similar from a marketing perspective. I think people would be interested in that, you know, when you think about, like, all of the play festivals that exist here and in other places. I think a transformative festival like that, at some point, I think people would be super interested in that. And what does that look like? Absolutely, I think,
1: I think yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And I, that's a, that's something that I'll I, I would definitely you know begin to brainstorm and see how that would be because you definitely want to. And I think that's what's so key is that when you are creating something, you get the opportunity to see see it done or read or, or hear it, even if it's not in its final form form, but at least you get to see the possibilities of it when it gets staged or premiered in like a, a festival or a series and things like that. Because even the Village started out with just a ten minute play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once I began to, you know, hear it in its in that particular ten minute form, I said, this needs to be extended to a full list. So I think that people who are working on forms and trying to adapt them even to like like I recently had a a a, a A collaboration with a dancer and poet here in Atlanta where we, I did, I, he, it was five of my poems that we collaborate on and he actually choreographed movement around that. So we did a hybrid piece that was with Bangor, a repertory and the Rosetta series. Uh, which is the an annual festival, I believe it's here in January. So it's, it's, it's about building a co- uh, uh, community and creating collaborations around different art forms, whether it's dance and poetry, or it's poetry and theater, so that we can kind of bring these communities together. And it, and it all, I think, inevitably will create greater artists, uh, expand our, you know, expand our creativity and artistic expression and things like that. So yeah. that is so important to them.
0: Yeah, you know, on the podcast, we've had a uh, great track record of having so many creative types on it, and so not, people are not just writers like you and I, but other people who are um, who are chefs or hairstylists. stylists. We just believe that the creative universe spectrum is so large and so um, mm-hmm. and so broad, mm-hmm. and so you got my you got my like my uh, my. Um, my my head turning like who, who we <laughs> like, like need to we need <laughs> to invite more people who do what you do because uh, poetry is such a powerful, such a powerful creative medium, right? There's there's so much to learn mm-hmm. from poetry. Um, and, mm-hmm. and and
1: even and even what I've witnessed too, I want to throw this in there is that I've been to a lot of. Plays that are very poetic, and I'm just sitting there, like, enthralled. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, I cannot believe how poetic and poetic this play is. I mean, with the language, it's just amazing. So, it, it definitely has its place.
0: Oh yeah, you're, um, you're exactly yeah. right. There, there is, there is a, there is a musicality, even for those productions that aren't that aren't musicals, right? And there, there's a kind of a rhythm to the language, and mm-hmm. who's talking, mm-hmm. and how do they talk, and how do the people interact with each other, you're exactly, exactly right. So where are you, are you from here in, in Atlanta, Dana? And I know that you and I have only met a couple of times, so for those in the audience, this is not only a chance for you to get to know Dana, it's a chance for I to get to know Dana. So are you originally from <laughs> this area?
1: I, I am not, I'm actually um, originally from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, But by way of Los Angeles, because I spent, I moved from Louisville, Kentucky in 2001 uh, to Los Angeles, where I lived for about 12 years, and then in 2013, um, I made a decision that I would come to Atlanta, but only on a trial basis, so I've been in Atlanta now for uh, almost seven years now. And so... You know, once I got here, I had, you know, it was going to be a trial basis, but I was like, oh, I can go, I like Atlanta. So <laughs> I say, and I'm glad I did because, oh my goodness. Wow. It's, yeah, it's, yes. it's, 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 it's so much. It's different in LA. It's different than LA in many ways. Right. Um, but the opportunities here are just abound and the, the people here that are so energized into building and creating. I'm like, oh goodness. I should have been here a long time ago. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> but no, I think I was. I came when I was supposed to come. Yeah, yeah. But my, my, my hometown is
0: Louisville, Kentucky. That's awesome. A good friend of mine is from Louisville. And um, so oh, okay. yeah, let me ask you, like, if I went to Louisville and, you know, I like to eat, you know, it, which is obvious to anyone who's ever met me. Uh, so if I go there, like, what's a cool place to go to get something to eat in Louisville? <laughs> Oh,
1: I know you would ask me that, because every time I was like, it's almost like when well, you don't go home a lot, then you rely on your family to kind of tell you a lot. Uh-huh. But, uh, let's see, they have a lot of, there's a, there's a, there's an area that wasn't there when I, when I moved away, but it's 4th Street Live. And there are a lot of good, uh, state houses and restaurants right there at 4th Street, which is in the heart of downtown Louisville. And there they are tons of like I'm just trying to think of some of the names of them. Oh my god, there's I know the Brazilian steakhouse down there. There is oh gosh, I know you're asking asking I I now it? would lose my lose my thought uh
0: um, But you said 4th Street. Uh, I'm trying Street, to think right? of the
1: one that pretty, Eddie Merlot. There's a lot of oh, I mean, yeah. I'm not sure like okay, I mean the five star expensive restaurants and then there's, you know, the to mid-level like you don't you
0: know you're okay but then you want to go to the ones you get the most your money well i like the, I, I like it's a the ones. kind of cuisine are you do you have particular i like, I like the, that I like the ones that are back in back in a hole or something you know you just like people don't know you know you turn the door and you say wait a minute this food is fantastic but you, it's not a four star it's just something that everybody in the community knows is like a great place to go i don't care if it's like you know if it's like a guy in a in a truck, I don't you know I'm I'm totally cool with that as opposed to the four and five star ones. You can find them anywhere. I'm just you know I'm right, not, You right. know like the ones you be like. Yo, what's that? That don't look like a restaurant. <laughs> and then it's like some it's like somebody making some food over there. And I'm sure Louisville got its own kind of like barbecue and stuff like that that's going on. There. Oh yeah, yeah. And there is a part. There is an uh, area of town
1: called the Highlands where I lived many years with my mom, and the Highlands. Has this restaurant called the Eagle, and I'm telling you, it is some of the best fried chicken oh. I have ever had. it's called the Eagle in the Highlands. Do you know? And, and uh, fried the Eagle, chicken,
0: yeah. As soon as you said fried chicken, you got me. I'm in. And
1: it's so good because they serve it with like this honey hot sauce that you can put over it. Everything's à la carte, à la carte, so it can kind of get maybe not really pricey, but just you know, it, it's still within budget. But everything's kind of à la carte. And, but it is some of the best fried chicken. I love
0: it. You know, the reason why. And then. I was I go say, ahead. Go ahead. Say that other one. <laughs> you want to say another one?
1: Oh, and then there's just like some other places that I can, and you know, Alupo is right across the bridge from Indiana, like Jeffersonville and New Albany. And Indiana has some good fish place. I'm oh like, I don't know of so, me, I would bring it up. And I think it's called uh, Clarksville Fish or something like that. And would you want to, I used to go there a, a lot when I was younger, getting fish. And it is, oh, it's some of the best fish.
0: <laughs> the reason why I always ask that question when we have a, a guest that's uh, someone who grew up somewhere else is that I think, this is just my opinion, is that when people talk about the places that they like to eat in a city or where they grew up, it like connects other people with where they grew up even better than like other things okay. you know food people like food i you know i think most, most right, right. Food, so they like wait a minute yeah. there's a certain level of energy that we get when we talk about places that are good to eat <laughs> right
1: and then there's those just down home staples that I can name that anybody from world will be like, yep, that's the spot. I mean, there's Sandy's Chicken, which is totally like a fast food. You go in there and get some just chicken and these hot wedges. And then, you know, White Castle, which I, strangely, when you start coming down south, there's just crystal. So usually yeah. <laughs> usually I love White Castle and everybody's like that, you know, and I know it's all over the country. That's kind of a chain, That's more of a chain restaurant, of course, but, but yeah, it it White House was one of those things that
0: you know in Louisville. Yeah, that's the spot for many of us. <laughs> that's awesome. So you got you went to L.A. and then you made your way to the best city in the world, right here in Atlanta. So you're here. So tell us about the. You said you've been here for a few years now. Tell us about. I think you said this a little bit ago about how you really dig the city. Um, tell us a little bit about that and some things based on the fact that you've been in LA and you've been in Louisville that you see that are like really good opportunities for us to even grow more. Tell us about that a little bit. I'm
1: sorry, I said, repeat that again. Again,
0: So, you know, you've been in You've been in LA, right? And you've been in Louisville. Yes, uh-huh. So, and now you're here in Atlanta. So tell us about Atlanta from your perspective. How's, how's the city to you? You know, tell us about that and some things that are big opportunities that you see.
1: I would say that for me, what I didn't realize when I was in L.A., because I think I was initially reluctant to come to Atlanta because, you know, I had this dream of what what I, who I wanted to write for and what I wanted to write. And everything seemed like it was centered in, in going to be centered in L.A., but then when I got to Atlanta, I'm like, wait a minute now. There's a thriving arts and entertainment community here. You know, the arts community and the entertainment industry is really growing and continues to grow. So I uh, mainly started just going to see a lot of productions and plays and stuff to kind of see what kind of work was being produced here. And I was really impressed. I was like, there is some serious talent in Atlanta, and I can see why, um, the entertainment industry is growing here and expanding. Um, I find the, I find the community of artists here to be, I don't want to say it because y'all make my LA friends mad, but <laughs> it's like a lot more genuine, welcoming, supportive, really supportive, and, and truly advocates of new work and emergent artists. Right. Um, maybe I think for me, it's not probably fair to LA because LA is a lot bigger. Um, I think just not only geographically, but in terms of uh, Atlanta is diverse, and that was that was that's amazing to me. And but you know, I think LA is extremely extremely diverse as well. So it was almost kind of difficult to find my place there in L.A. in in terms of the creative community, trying to navigate between the poetry and the literary community and the the theater community. But here, it's very close-knit. It's very like, you know, you get in the habit of seeing uh, a lot of the people that you're familiar with and you see them in a lot of productions. You know, it becomes more of a family you know, oriented type of thing. So it to me, I, that's that's a difference that I've noticed. And, and yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think that they, we're just at that place of, I mean, Atlanta's really at that place of just growing. You know, it it it's there. It it doesn't. You know, I know a lot of people from LA have begun to start moving here and stuff like that. And a lot of uh, even people on the other side of the more production side of it or should I say the uh, technical side of it are also finding an opportunity here but yes I definitely know that uh, it's, it's, it's it's right here in Atlanta <laughs> it's, 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 you know I don't know if you're familiar with this one writer but before I her my, my name is uh, Tanarese Dew she's a fiction writer say, one that,
0: fiction say that name writer. again black, are you familiar
1: Reed Dew no I'm
0: not tell me about that
1: okay What's well right she has She's had, she's had, uh, she's written a lot of fiction books. She's really, her, her genre is horror, but she's really good. And I think she teaches a, she had taught a course at USC uh, on Jordan Peele's Get Out uh, oh. movie. But she's the one that I initially think in a, in a workshop that I was taking with her uh, at a, a university where I got my MSA. She was living in Atlanta at the time, but she was coming out to Los Angeles to teach and lecture and I just asked her, I said, what's Atlanta? She said, oh, she said, oh, Atlanta's poppin'. You know, Atlanta's poppin'. She said, yeah, get there. I was like, okay. Wow. I, was so, yeah. Yeah, I was so excited. So when I got there, I was like, okay, she didn't, she didn't make that up. It really is. So,
0: yeah. yeah. So you mentioned her. Tell me about other people who are, like, really who are really getting, like, getting you inspired or jazzed about your own creative work. Tell, tell us about some of those people, whether they're close by or from afar.
1: People that are getting me, um, well, I, I think it's some of the people that we are all, all quite familiar with. That we, uh, Ava DuVernay. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. She's she. You know, I I think what inspires me most is to hear where she began, you know, and what she sacrificed. You know, and those stories are always important to me. Like when people have, you see what they sacrifice in order to. To get through that door or to take a risk and ended up, you know, after that, it's like the sky's the limit and they started creating and they haven't stopped. So definitely, I, I, you know, I follow her a lot on social media, very inspirational, you know, people like Shonda Rhimes, um, you know, and I think in terms of just keeping me inspired on a, on a, just a, a um, Everyday level is just regular hardworking people that don't give up, especially in the arts because you know in arts and even entertainment we take a lot of rejection, yeah. <laughs> and you know the creative spirit. This creative spirit is just a spirit that never really can give up because you're always creating. Everything is like it, you, you can create something. That creativity kind of gives you a sense of hope and and the belief in a, in a better outcome. So really, it's those hard hardworking artists that continue to grind it out. You know, I, I get so inspired. By inspired by those types of people, So oh. I do, like I, said, I, like I said, I do have my role models that are in the industry that, yeah. so um, that really had, you know, so you, you kind mean, of put out a roadmap.
0: So you mentioned some of those um, those great people who've overcome things. Tell, tell us a little bit about something that you've um, you've had to overcome here, um, whether it's recently or in the past. Something to really, and and what you learned and what you grew from that kind of challenge.
1: I would have to say that I have overcome the need to (laughs) meet a certain expectation, I think, because I was in corporate America for many years, doing really, really well, Um, you know, financially, felt like I was on the right path, like this is it, I'm going to be, you know, having a great life, and that was out in L.A., but it was a perfect storm because the company that I was working for was in marketing and advertising. They ended up doing a uh, downsizing. So I had just recently got my uh, master's in fine arts and creative writing. So it was like a perfect storm. I said, okay, I have severance. I have all this, you know, I said, I'm going to sit down and write for about a year, just do nothing but write and create. So instead of immediately saying, oh, my God, how am I make a living and what do I need to do? Uh, to go out and, you know, get another job and just get, get a job that it was a high stress job, I could say. And I was at that place where I was like, I was, you know, a lot of stress because it was advertising sales and stuff like that. You could make a lot of money. I was making a lot of money, but then it's like, I wasn't fulfilled. I wanted more meaning. I knew that I wanted to write, right. but it's, it's always that fear of stepping out on faith. Like, I'm going to survive, you know, I <laughs> So, so I think that ultimately what I had to overcome was the fact that it's not going. It's not going to be a journey of. of, of uh, I'm trying to say that it overcoming that uh, challenge of not maybe having all the resources that I used to have, but still being able to do this thing that I love, and that's been difficult. I mean, that's that. Yeah. I like said I, mm-hmm.
0: I moved here in 2013. Oh, go ahead. When you mean resources, you mean like money and those kind of things, right? Is that what you mean?
1: Absolutely. The resources are the sense of security of knowing that there's tension there and all those things like that because what I do now is a combination of things. Some are freelance, some are on a, uh, like I said, the agile faculty is more of a part-time thing. So I'm doing things that, that still give me the freedom to do what I love to do, but it's been an obstacle course because it's like Instead of saying that every, you know how people who work a regular job or a full-time job, they know every week I'm a bit pasted. I've got, you know, I, you know, I do have health insurance and things like that, but it seems like to me the obstacle has been the need to have security. I guess in in a long, in a long-winded way, overcoming the obstacle of knowing that this really is a faith walk and that if you're going to be an artist, it's not as, it's not a, a secure career. Until you, I guess you get to that platform where you feel like you're you're in demand. Now people are knocking on your door. It's yeah. not as secure, so just overcoming that and realizing that I had, I I hadn't I don't have to be that because a lot of people that I know have that have the good jobs, the security, and everything that they depend on. Whereas I am doing the thing that I love with a little less security. So that's one obstacle, but there's been many, but that's probably the one that I think that I I still work
0: through on occasion. I I heard what you said there. And one of the key pieces that you mentioned was the faith walk that you're on. And I think that that's such a powerful message, especially in this world. Your story that you mentioned about the downsizing, I am sure if there's 10 people listening to this, five people are familiar with a story like that. Um, But you've Mm -hmm. been really, really... You talked about people who inspired you, but you have been inspiration, inspirational to other people as well. I mean, your story in of itself, mm. and so we really appreciate you so much for joining us. How, if someone wants oh, to, thank you. If somebody wants to talk to you and connect with you, and find out more about what's going on with Dana, how could they do that?
1: Well, they can reach me. I'm. On most of the social media platforms, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Although I don't do a lot of tweeting, but I do have I do have a website as well, which is simplydamonstringer.com. And my uh, and there's a contact uh, form on that website. And I can also be reached at my email address, which is stringd1 at yahoo or dstringer at Antioch, EDU. So I could be contacted. you, yeah, type in Dana Stringer on one of those platforms, like I said, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, and I would, in, you know, inbox me or email me, and yeah, that is a good way to contact me. Uh, uh,
0: uh, thank you so much. Um,
1: oh, I thank will,
0: you. I, will, I will make okay. sure that we put this on the um, your those your web address if you're okay with that. Put it on uh, show notes. So people can actually see that because I think they would love to see all of the great things that you're up to, and so here's. Oh, sure, thanks. So, so I hope you join us again in the future. Um, you, as you may know, and I know the people who are listening know that we've got a goal to have a uh, hundred podcasts here by the end of 2020, and then uh, Dana, we will be asking all of those. People who've joined us to, to help us with combining this and collecting this into one real awesome audiobook that people who are out there who are struggling with their creativity or wish to expand it can actually listen to this audiobook. So we'll take a snippet of all the fantastic things you've said today, which is kind of hard because you've said a lot of awesome things. And so it'll be kind of. Oh, hard
1: thank to, you. To awesome. Play, thank you.
0: Connect That's that. And, uh, and so, um, so we hope to do that. So like here's our last question for you today and again we really love and appreciate you joining us. So if someone's oh, sitting pleasure. someone's sitting down today or they're driving in their car or they're talking to someone or they're 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 feeling a certain way where they're saying, you know what, I can't be creative. You know, my job tells me I cannot, my significant other tells me I cannot. The world tells me I cannot be creative for one reason or the other. I can't get paid being creative. Whatever they might be, whatever story they might be telling themselves, what is one thing, what are one few, what's a couple of sentences you can tell them to get them to say, you know what, here's a little bit of a nugget for you to get you going. What what would those sentences be?
1: I would always just, you know, I always rely on Telling people just to be authentic, be authentically you. Uh, you know, free yourself from being uh, imprisoned and preoccupied with how people are going to perceive your risk that you take or how they perceive you through your work. I think that for people who really take the art art seriously, that authenticity is key. You know, you, you be comfortable with putting your whole self into your work, spirit, soul, and body. Be original. Uh, I had a I had a mentor once say attempt uh, great failure uh, you know if you're going to do something attempt it big and if it fails it fails but you, at least you did it but you keep you know just keep trying um, and uh, for me I just think one of the most effective ways that I can convey truth is when it actually comes from an authentic place uh, which is why I believe the transformative power of art actually happens so authenticity i would always that's the message Authenticity. authentically you and what you're creating and don't allow those perceptions or how people perceive what you're doing to impact you or to to thwart you or to stall you
0: that's awesome so spirit be authentic through your spirit soul and body thanks again dana for joining us thank you thank you. you it's been a pleasure And for those of you who are listening, the Creativity Cocktail is a forum for creatives from all over this planet and all over this world to spend time to talk about what's happening, to talk about their spirit and their process and how they've had moments in their lives in which they've overcome that and are still being spirit, still being creative. And Dana shared a lot of fantastic ways you can do that today. So please go to our website at risingtidescharity.org. We are on all of the social media platforms that are out there. If you're interested in being a podcast yourself, please reach out to us. We've got the Creative Circle, which is a forum where we aggregate a lot of fantastic information about what's happening in our world of creativity. And again, thank you so much, Dana, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much.